Let us pray. Hold me up, God, that I might lift you up. Amen. I took my email and Facebook off of my phone for Lent. It's been a huge inconvenience. But the practice has highlighted how compulsive I can be and how, insid and how insidious my desire is for accessibility and, and immediacy. Desires that manifest themselves in my life as busyness that can rob me of time, that can rob me of presence. They can drain the life right out of my day. Even after five weeks, I find myself sort of absentmindedly going for my phone, trying to just check a quick email. And though Facebook hasn't been as big of a deal for me, just yesterday, when we went out to the park to take pictures of Michaela and her friends before prom, I immediately went to my phone to post it on Facebook, only to be reminded, once again, that it wasn't there. This practice... While it's been extremely frustrating in some instances, very inconvenient, it's also created this sort of protected space around the moments in my day that are meant for detaching, detaching from work, those restful moments, those sacred moments. I mean, I can't just take a quick peek at my email as I lay down to go to bed at night or check it in the middle of the night when I wake up. I can't check email in the middle of my prayer chair time, which happens. I can't check my email or just scan Facebook really quickly while I'm sitting at the table eating dinner with my family or watching a show. I can't send a quick email as I walk around my neighborhood. It simultaneously made me much more aware of how often I allow email and Facebook to interrupt my life, and it has forced me to be much more single-minded, to be more present to what is right in front of me. The present activity, the present moment, it's been inconvenient. But I'm realizing that sometimes maybe that's not a bad thing. Remember the Sabbath day and keep it holy. That's the fourth commandment. It's a commandment just like thou shall not murder, thou shall not commit adultery, thou shall not steal, thou shall not lie. It's a commandment just like the first commandment. Thou shall have no other gods before me. They are divine imperatives non-negotiable mandates from God. Sabbath is one of those commandments. But for the fourth one in particular, this one about Sabbath, we seem to think it's optional, just a suggestion. Because in our world where productivity and economic success are so highly valued, even central to our identities, Sabbath, it seems so disruptive even indulgent, it can certainly be inconvenient. And today's scripture is often used to justify not keeping the Sabbath. Jesus breaks all kinds of Sabbath rules mandated by the traditions of his time. In our story, his disciples are walking through a field and they're plucking 
um, heads of grain and eating them. You weren't supposed to harvest on the Sabbath. They may have also been violating prohibitions against travel on the Sabbath. And in the verses following ours, Jesus goes on to heal and to cast out demons, none of which was permissible on the Sabbath. And when the Pharisees challenged Jesus, he says, the Sabbath was created for humankind, not humankind for the Sabbath, which some have taken to mean, well, we can do whatever we want to on the Sabbath. But that's not what Jesus is saying. Jesus' life and ministry, they reveal something entirely new to the world. His teachings and preachings, his healings, his miracles, all are signs of the advent of God's kingdom. A new thing. An entirely new operating system, a new way of thinking, a new way of being. Jesus announces a new world where God's justice and mercy reign. In this new world, it's manifest by an entirely unexpected means. Not by the old predictable means of overthrowing the powers that be with violence or by waging war or through political maneuvering. Jesus ushers in this entirely new way of being by means of peaceful disruption. Today is Palm Sunday. It's the day that we celebrate Jesus' triumphal entry into Jerusalem. It's triumphal because all things are made new, and Jesus' life and ministry are a witness to this entirely new way of being where the well-being of others is the way that we express the love of God. We prioritize the well-being of others and love of neighbor over all else. And to privilege love of neighbor through acts of justice and mercy, they required that Jesus violate some Sabbath rules. The truth is, these weren't the only rules that Jesus broke. In the verses leading up to our reading today, not only does Jesus not fast when he's supposed to, but he feasts with sinners. And even worse, he forgives a man of his sins, something that only God could do. All of this rule-breaking, it really alarms the Pharisees who held religious authority in Jesus' day. They are so alarmed that they begin to plot Jesus' destruction. That's how disruptive his witness his life was to those around him. And everything that Jesus does and says, it all calls those who would follow him into a whole new understanding. An entirely new way of being. Jesus disrupts the lives of those of us who would follow him. It's not very convenient. And this entirely new thing, this new way of being, it requires total transformation of the mind and the heart. Because Jesus says, you cannot put new wine into old wineskins. 
If you do, they'll burst, and then both the wine and the wineskins will be lost. In ancient times, they used the skins of goats to make wineskins. And new wine was wine that had not yet been fermented. So when they pour the new wine into a wineskin, if that wineskin had already been used, if it had already um, expanded, then as that new wine fermented and it expanded, it had nowhere to go. The old wineskin had already reached its capacity and it was likely brittle, so it would burst. This new way of thinking, this new way of doing and being that Jesus reveals to us, it's so revolutionary that it couldn't be contained within the old structures. It couldn't be contained within those structures that were governed by old theology, old traditions, old rules, especially the hundreds of rules that had been constructed around the main Ten Commandments to instruct us on how to keep those. The fourth commandment, to remember the Sabbath day. It emerges from the first three commandments, which are, you shall have no other gods before me, you shall not create for yourself idols or false gods, and you shall not take the Lord's name in vain. We're called to remember the Sabbath day and to keep it holy, to, to set it apart, to keep it sacred, because this is the day when all else is to fall away and we make abundant room for God's presence. The unhurried God that we've been talking about throughout Lent. This is the day when we let go of all of our busy worldly pursuits, where we let go of our compulsive bent toward earning or justifying our existence through producing and accomplishing. It's the day when we remember that the world, it doesn't revolve around us, nor does its salvation depend upon us. It's the day when we clear our schedules when we ignore our to-do lists, where we turn off our phones, where we set our computers aside and make room to reconnect with God, to reconnect with creation, to reconnect with family, to reconnect with neighbor. It's a day that's meant for being, not doing. When Jesus entered Jerusalem on Palm Sunday, he didn't enter as a warrior king on the back of a war horse with a sword drawn. He entered on the back of a donkey, a donkey that was saddled with the clothes of some of his disciples. And while both the Gospels of Matthew and Mark note the palms that were spread out and and waved as Jesus entered, they emphasize that all the people who gathered laid down their clothing to make a way for Jesus to enter Jerusalem. There's a classic Latin antiphon, which is the short phrase that is sometimes recited or sung before or after a psalm, and it says this, like our Sunday's best garments, we lay ourselves down to pave his way to the cross. 
Jesus isn't saying that we need not keep the Sabbath day holy. He's saying that we need to have an expanded understanding of the Sabbath. We need to have an understanding of the Sabbath that is expanded beyond the limits of rules and regulations and beyond legalistic or rote practice. Our understanding of Sabbath needs to be so expanded that it will include the gospel of grace. Grace that is new every morning. Grace that is poured into the world through new vessels, transformed hearts, our hearts, so transformed by the love and grace of God that they expand and expand continually to contain God's ever-expansive grace, so much so that it births acts of justice and mercy, ushers in God's kingdom. This past week in ministry, it's been an incredible witness to me of how all of you have such expansive hearts about how so many of you are willing to lay yourselves down to pave the way for Christ to enter the lives of so many people who are hurting. On Monday morning, bright and early, KVU, some people from KVU came out here to our campus to tape our, our um, volunteers and mission group that's led by David Graham as they left to deploy for their 22nd time since Hurricane Harvey hit. David Graham was chosen as one of their five who care. And that will begin to air sometime in June. And then later this week, the statesman, Picayune, they picked up a story about Ann Finch, one of our members who leads us in our border ministry. Before the day was over, I heard KUT had also picked it up and was playing it on the radio during the drive home in the evening. And at least two national news, news sources have picked it up as well. And then Wednesday night, church council unanimously confirmed the decision that y'all made during your discerning conversations last fall to affiliate with Reconciling Ministries Network. Yep. Thank y'all. None of these powerful expressions of the gospel of grace would be possible without a deep connection with God. A connection that we are called to, drawn to, to be renewed in on a regular basis. We are to remember the Sabbath day and to keep it holy. It's not optional, y'all. And it is a day for healing, it's a day for feasting. It's a day to cast out the demons that possess us, that drive us toward all that is not God. It's a day for forgiveness. It's a day for reconciliation. 
and born of this deep connection with God and creation and neighbor, born of this ever-expanding grace that God continually pours into our hearts, hearts that are made new in Christ, there are these acts of justice and mercy that are born, justice and mercy that are ushered in through peace. Counterintuitive. This whole new way of being is ushered in and emerges from a peace that we experience by knowing God and by following Jesus. Jesus. 